when will they be ready and who should not be going anywhere the great lindsey crosby is with us to talk cubs prospects next you are locked on cubs your daily chicago cubs podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day You are Locked On Cubs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Sam Olber. Please support the show by following on your preferred audio platform, and you can watch, subscribe, and leave a comment on YouTube. Thanks so much for making us your first listen. We are lifelong fans taking our passion into a discussion with you on all things Cubs. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. Welcome in, everybody. We have a special guest today. I, is this your third or fourth time on the show? I want to say it's third time, okay. but if it, but if you told me it was four after the fact, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, so the most the most we've ever really had somebody on the show, and and rightfully so. Lindsey Crosby is here. He hosts uh, a phenomenal uh, podcast that breaks down all the minor league players and systems across the big leagues. Lindsey, thanks for coming on. Uh, How are you doing? And uh, I'm excited to talk a lot with you today. I am. I am great. Locked on MLB prospects is kind of like in the middle of our groove right now in the off season. We've, we're wrapping up the top prospect rankings at every position, and we're getting ready to get into the farm system previews for 2024. So it's a great time of year, uh, and and where we would love to have anybody who who enjoys prospects to come over when you're done with this and go check us out. Yeah, it's it's. I, I know every time you come on, I learn a lot. Every time I watch your show, I learn a lot. And thank you. Um, that's uh, it's great. So that is the ultimate s- compliment. Thank you. Yeah. I, I want to start out. I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot right now. You probably know this. I don't. Whoever the general manager is for the Cleveland Guardians, that's who I am right now. Okay. And you are Cubs baseball president, Jed Hoyer. Okay. Ooh. I call you and I say, Jed, I got Shane Bieber and Josh Naylor for you. And what I want back in return is Matt Shaw and Kevin Alcantara. I, I want you to to tell me, are, are you hanging up the phone? Are you considering? And then I'm going to lead that into some other questions I have for you. So let's start just with that. Simple, simple that. Okay. Shane Bieber, Josh Naylor. Uh, here's the thing. I'm trying to figure out. Okay, can I find a way to get these guys? One, do I think I can fix Shane Bieber's velocity, right? Because if you look at everything he did, he was a good pitcher as far as off-speed pitches go, breaking pitches go, but he was throwing 91, and he had some sort of rotator cuff issue. If If the medicals check out and you think you can fix them, find a way to make the deal. Don't give up Matt Shaw to do it. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's why I want to know. I because yeah, it doesn't yeah. even have to be Bieber. Let's say it's Liz- like who like whoever it is in that in that situation. Because yeah. we all know you're a Braves fan. We all know Braves, Dodgers, Phillies. Like the Cubs for the Cubs to win a World Series in 2024, it would be very very. They they would need a lot of luck. They're not going to be the best team. So what what my question is, and you answer it, what guys, so, so Matt Shaw looks like he's one of them and it doesn't, ha- it could be two, it could be seven. 
What guys do you believe should not be included in those types of deals? Let's say, Lindsay, that give the Cubs a better chance to win the Central in 2024, mm -hmm. but you know, you, you don't want to impact their long-term future because they are pretty close to untouchable in your eyes in those type of deals. What, what other guys? It, it It's really probably down to just three guys. Matt Shaw, again, somebody who, the, as quick as he went through the minors last year, you could see him in 24 at the major league level. I, I It's just, he okay, is, uh, offensively, he is very, very advanced. Was all the way going back to Maryland. Big fan of Matt Shaw. Uh, Pete Crow Armstrong, kind of explainable right now. Not a guy that I'm willing to move unless it is some sort of absurd package. Obviously, everybody has a price, right? Sure. I would trade. I would trade one of my kids for the right player. <laughs> um, but Pico okay. Armstrong, Matt Shaw, Cade Horton are my three. Outside of that, I would have a conversation on just about anybody. Now, I probably wouldn't be inclined to make the deal, but I'd have a conversation on just about anybody else. But those three. You have to be offering me Ronald Acuna Jr. for me to have the conversation about moving any of those guys. Wow. Okay. So that's that's very helpful for for our audience because we're all like, you know, and even Matt, you know, says like, hey, like, I just don't know, you know, when certain guys are gonna be ready. But those three guys, if you saw those three guys in a in a marginal deal to help you in 2024, you'd be really surprised. So that's yeah, that's not good worth to know. it for for one season of a potential division title. Not worth it. Got it. Exactly. So that's good to know. My next question is more on the lines of continuing outside of those three, rounding out the Cubs top 10 mm -hmm. prospects. You know, I know in the past you were, a, 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 I'm assuming still are a pretty big Kevin Alcantara fan. What other guys outside of those three do you feel like, you know, can get to that level, can get to that untouchable level um, if you wanted to mention any, you know, and, and then we'll get into some timing stuff with them. Yeah, so Owen Casey's a guy that has an absolute standout tool. And for me, when you have a guy that has something that he does exceptionally well, Pete Crow mm -hmm. Armstrong, exceptional defense, right? Matt Saul, exceptional contact ability. Cade Horton, exceptional fastball, and I think he could be a frontline pitcher. Owen Casey, exceptional power, right? It is absolutely absurd. Now, he has a little bit more work to do than some of those other guys sure. because of the strikeouts, right? Struck out, I want to say 164 times last year. I don't have notes on that, but I, that feels right. Uh, it, it was like 30% uh, as far as strikeout rate for his career. And somebody where if you can lower that and marginally improve that, I don't expect him to ever get to a 10% strikeout rate. But if you can lower that to once a game to 25%, he's a guy that could be an above average defender in right field with a cannon who could hit 30, 35 home runs in a season. That's the kind of like the, the place where the Cubs are right now. You have a winnable division, but to, like you said, to make the moves in the postseason and to get past some of those teams at the top, like the Dodgers, you need the guys who can perform above and beyond what the average player does. And Owen Casey's a guy that if you can work out the strikeout issue, he has the potential to be a differentiator in something in a short series, in a postseason series, something like that. Like he's a guy to me. Yes, keep that guy around. Find a way to help him figure it out and get him on the field. Who are guys 
that, and, and I know you you said this to me before we started recording, top 10 wise, you know, who who are guys that you could see and you could break down as many of them as you want okay. that you could see contributing at some point uh, at the big league level in 2024. Um, and you could, you could start, you know, maybe with some, you know, I, I know for me, I, I want to hear what you have to say about Canario and Ben Brown. Like those mm-hmm. two guys I really want to know about because, you know, is Ben Brown ready? Is, is the command there yet where you, you could throw him out in, you know, the fifth game of the season and say, can, can he pitch? I, I, I don't think so. Um, those ty- that, that type of question. Go ahead, t- run with it. I feel like there's an argument for like eight of these top 10 guys could, could be up in 2024 because so much of the talent of the, of the talent is in the upper minors, double A, triple A. Uh, you know, James Triantos is a guy, if you could figure out defensively, where is the best place to play him? He's someone who could be up as soon as the back half of next season. I'm a believer in the bat of Moises Ballesteros. The only question I have is a where does he fit on the field? Because he's like 5'8", and right now he's probably 25 pounds too heavy to stick as a catcher. But how many 5'8 first basemen have you seen? Like it's, it's he's kind of, like you have a couple a guys. Lot, a lot, have, a lot when I was about 11. Oh, there, see, there you go, there you go. <laughs> you, you have a lot of, of, talented offensive players that you've got to work out some of the defense stuff was Balsteros, uh, James Triantos. And then you've got guys who offensively can, can help you provided they can make some of those fixes. We talked about Owen Casey, Kevin Alcantara is another guy that, I mean, you saw what he could do a little bit last year. Uh, I'm still a believer in what Matt Mervis could be. If he were to fix a lot of his stuff, obviously I was very wrong on him last year when I, you know, made him the prospect of the pod. And we talked about him yeah. having a, for a day one impact. I'm a little, little out in front of my skis there. We had him on it, the show. Yeah, He's a great guy. And I really think yeah. he is a productive big leaguer. You've got a little bit of work to do to get him there. But mm-hmm. uh, Ben Brown, I think, is going to end up being a very useful reliever. When you saw him at the end of the year, he walked like 10 guys in his final couple outings. Coming back from a lat injury, it's very difficult for a pitcher who won the size of, of Ben Brown. He's already 6'6". And dealing with an abdominal issue, very difficult to get the control back where it needs to be. I think if it's not a postseason run or you know a push for the postseason, he's probably not coming back. He's probably not pitching major league games. And I'm high on his ability to be an impact, if nothing else, an impact reliever next yeah. year at the major league level. Uh, but Not a starter next year. Not a starter. And I think part of that's because you don't necessarily need him to start, but you've also got so much talent. I I fully believe Kate Horton's going to be play a bigger role in 2024 than a lot of people expect. I don't think he's going to be a August September call up. I think you're going to see Kate Horton sooner rather than later. And I if I'm sitting here right now thinking about who would be the postseason starters when you're in the postseason next year, love it. Kate Horton's one of those three to me. I mean, Justin Steele's obviously your game one starter. Cade Horton's probably your game two starter right now in my eyes because he's that talented. It, this entire top 10 has just so many guys. Some, so of it's me, gonna, gonna, yeah, go. yeah. some of it will depend on on health, right? If Dansby right. Swanson and Nico Horner don't miss any games, it's going to be hard to get a middle infielder in there. But for the most right. part, you've got plenty of guys who could come up and play in 24 if you need them to, and then some will force the issue and make you play them in 24. 
I have two quick things on that, and then and then we'll move on. So I, I've been kind of pounding the table all offseason saying the Cubs have to get at least one starter this mm-hmm. offseason because I, as it stands right now, we know Cade's not going to break with the big league club. No, so, so as it stands right now, you're going into the 24 season, Steele, Hendricks, Tyone, and then a pen, a, potentially Jordan Wicks. We haven't talked about him yet. Maybe he makes it. He had a, a pretty nice cameo last year. His numbers got inflated by one disastrous start at the end of the year mm-hmm. in Milwaukee. Otherwise, he was pretty competitive. Um, you know, Assad was Nesky. I did a, an episode on Assad Savant analytics pages yesterday. They were not beautiful. Um, so, you know, I guess what I'm saying is, do you feel like they have enough depth starter wise where because Cade might come up in the middle of the season and things like that, that they don't need that? Or do you still believe that, like you just said, if Cade Horton's your number two starter, you know, should they be involved in a guy, at least involved in a guy like a Montgomery or a Bieber trade or something like that? If I'm sitting here right now, I'm not necessarily looking to add a pitcher unless I can add a pitcher that I know will start a postseason game. And I'm so going like to actually Montgomery. make like a Montgomery. I mean, yeah. has done great in the postseason. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make the comparison between Chicago and Atlanta. Atlanta's in the same boat. If you're going to add a pitcher, it needs to be a guy who will start a postseason game. And and so I do think Horton would be your number two, somebody because I'm a believer in Horton's stuff. But right now, Hendricks, Tyon, Wicks, that's your two through four. Two of those guys are starting postseason games. I would, if if you're adding a guy, add a postseason starter. Again, I think Jordan Montgomery's virtually a no-brainer in that scenario, especially because he can torment the, the Cardinals a little bit. But uh, yeah, I, I think you have enough depth to get through a season, but I would be interested in adding a postseason starter if that guy, if we decided to spend the money on that guy. Awesome. Coming up next, I'm going to ask Lindsay a lot more questions. Uh, we're going to talk about some specific guys and, and what they struggled with um, in the minors and then at the big league level. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL season, believe it or not, is coming to a close. And you can get incredible offers uh, with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. Uh, Lindsay, I would bet right now I would pivot from the NFL. And once those division lines are out, I might do a little Braves Cubs parlay. I probably could get good odds on that. The Braves are probably going to be my guess would be like minus two thirty, and the Cubs will get like plus one ninety would be something like that. So uh, maybe I'll touch those. So please visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of LockedOn, the LockedOn Podcast Network, and the National Football League. We are back here on Locked On Cubs with Lindsey Crosby talking Cubs prospects. Before I get into a couple specific guys, I just wanted to finish right before we went to break. You mentioned this phrase, and I really want to ask you about this because you cover all the teams. And you said it about three or four times. Hey, I don't know where this guy is going to play. His bat might be ready, but I don't know where this guy is going to play. How often do you see that across the league? Where, Like the Cubs right now, for for the next few years, Mm -hmm. if let's say they re-sign Bellinger, you have Bellinger in center, you have, and then you have PCA. So maybe Bellinger first, PCA in center, Suzuki and Hap, right? Already at the big league level, Christopher Morrell can't really find a position to play. 
how often do you see this when you are breaking down teams and, and when does it really become an issue of, hey, you know what? This guy's really good and we really like him, but we still have to trade him because there's nowhere for him to play. Yeah, it becomes an issue when a guy whose bat could help you at the major league level gets stuck in the minors because you have other guys who, for instance, you're having to give DH reps to. And the great example now going forward, obviously, is Los Angeles, the Dodgers, right? Uh, they have Michael Bush led all of the minors and home runs last year. Great power hitter. He's best suited to first. They've also played him a little bit at second and at third. Well, they've got Freddie Freeman at first. They've got Mookie Betts at second. They've got Shohei Otani at DH. He's not replacing any of those guys. And so. so he's pushing 26 years old and he's back in AAA because they have multiple guys in front of him. I I think each team has the ability to carry one to two guys that have a better bat than a glove and find a spot. St. Louis, Nolan Gorman is a guy that not a great defender. He's a natural first baseman. They played him at second. For the most part, it worked out. But if they have a second guy, uh, Luke and Baker, they can't play him at, at first base. They have Paul Goldschmidt. There's no real other place for him. That's where it becomes an issue is when you get two or three of these guys. And I'm okay with having multiple of those guys now because depth has a way of working itself out. And right. for the most part, unless you load up like the Dodgers did, for the most part, that guy will find a way to get into the lineup with the Minnesota Twins, Edward Julian. Fantastic batter's eye, led the minor leagues in walks, found a way to get on the field at second base despite the fact that they had half a dozen middle infielders that all needed to play, and they signed Carlos Correa. His bat was good enough to make it. You can deal with one of those guys, but if you have two or more, that's where it starts to be an issue. And I don't necessarily think uh, right now it's a problem, because somebody in this infield or outfield is going to get hurt and not make it through the season. That's just what happens. Awesome. All right, let's get into specifics. The, the, the first guy I really want to ask you about, and, and I don't want to, I'm not going to keep you here more than 30 minutes. Um, uh, PCA. A lot of fans, you know, you know how this goes, mm -hmm. comes up at the end of the year, and it wasn't a hey, let's have fun with a September call up. It was hey, the Cubs are trying to make the postseason here. These are important at bats. These are important games, and offensively, it was ugly, uh, and oh, it yeah. was ugly for 19 plate appearances, which is extremely small. Um, he, I think he was uh, a little bit you know, nervous too, like some, some base running mistakes and stuff that really, you know, what you heard about him. Tell me where you're at. We know about the defense. Where are you at with his bat? What are you concerned about? You know, everything as it comes to PCA and his offense. I'm not concerned about this idea that PCA can't hit fastballs. That's a thing I've seen out a little bit. I'm not in Cubs Twitter every day, but I've seen a little bit of that. In AAA last year, he had a 488 slugging percentage and a 12% barrel rate against fastballs, specifically against four-seam fastballs. Uh, he made contact something like 80% of the time, uh, and he hit more fly balls and ground balls, more line drives than both of them. He handled fastballs fine. Uh, I think PCA has the ability to be an above-average to plus contributor offensively, but from my time watching him when he was with Tennessee, so some of those other things, He's the kind of guy that needs to play almost every day, right? The rhythm of playing defense is what keeps him locked into the game. And those 19 plate appearances, 
came across 13 games because he didn't get consistent play time. And it's very difficult for any player to adjust to the major leagues, but doubly so when they're playing very sporadically like that. And so I think that the concerns about PCA's offense are overblown. Yes, he's going to have to take some time to adjust to the majors. Everybody does. And he but, he he had trouble at every level adjusting for the first you know, few weeks. He's been a slow starter at just about every single level. And you have to remember last year, starting in double A, going to triple A, and then the majors. He dealt with the tacky baseballs in the double A Southern League when he started these weird baseballs here. He had to deal with the automatic balls and strikes in triple A and how they did weird stuff with fastballs up in the zone with that. And then he had to transition to MLB when he would get at best one plate appearance a game. I think PCA is going to be fine. Uh, he can uh, He's going to play center field. If Bellinger comes back, he can kick to a corner when Bellinger's in center. And when Bellinger's at first, he can play center. It'll be fine. I'm not worried about PCA at all. I think he's going to be a plus contributor offensively by the end of the season and a contender for rookie of the year. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. That echoed, that echoed kind of my take. And I want to give you a quick name for PCA and you tell me if I'm overshooting undershooting or in the in the same ballpark and and I'm I'm not going to go very far in the comparison Lars Newtbar would you say this this I'm not even saying just that type of profile Newtbar's right. really good defensively uh he, he you know I I pulled up his numbers last year he hit 261 I think his plate discipline's probably better than than PCA would be my guess because his OBP's 367. Um, not a ton of slug, but 784 OPS. And I, you know, as far as I saw it, at least against the Cubs, he's a Gold Glove caliber defensive player. I'm going to give you what I think is a little bit better comparison. He's yeah. not as good as this player. He's the diet version of this player. But Michael Harris the second. Okay. As far as a guy that should be able to run a higher batting average once he gets comfortable amazing defense, uh, can get on base, isn't going to have ridiculous on bases. I think Michael Harris's career on base is like 334. Yeah, so a little bit more comparison. Uh, stolen base-wise, they should be able to both produce around 20 stolen bases a year. Yeah. So, But the Lars Newtbar, Michael Harris type of defense and offense, I think that's a decent comparison for what, uh, for what PCA can be. Newtbar probably the lower end, Harris probably the higher end. Cool. Awesome. I'll, I'll take I'll take Michael Harris. <laughs> um, National League Rookie of the Year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, let's dive in. I want to dive into to one other guy, and then you could you could give us more stuff if you had any other guys you want to touch on. Let's talk about Canario. Uh, so, so he had. I'm not sure where he is on your Cubs. I'm going to ask you your Cubs top five here in a little bit, but you know he came up, and again, I, I do think it's just important. Most times when these guys come up in like September, they're not in the middle of a pennant race. Like it's it. Everybody was looking at their bats. And I remember he had a big grand slam late against the pirates and everybody was like, Hey, he's got to play every single day. But that grand slam came up against the soft tossing lefty. The next day, the Cubs replaced uh, playing Mitch Keller. Mitch Keller was starting. I was like, not only is Canario not going to play, it's going to be master Boney. Like you just, you know, they're going to play the matchups. Where do you see him slotting? He's a guy I always thought was a trade candidate this offseason just because of what I talked about. He's an outfielder. Cubs have tons of them. He can maybe help somebody else. Talk to me about Canario. Yeah. Uh, getting the slow start last year because of the winter league injuries last year, that was a uh, an issue for him. The thing, like, so 
power's great, like you said. I want to say his 90th percentile exit velocity is like 107. The power is real and it's spectacular. The thing with Canario and the reason why I understand why they wouldn't play him every day is he's very aggressive on pitches in the zone. Doesn't chase a ton, 27 or so percent. That's about average. But contact rate, 69% contact rate on pitches in general only 80% in the zone. So he has some natural holes in his swing. He's got Morel. good pop. Yeah, he's got good pop, but he's got uh, he's going to run lower batting averages. I feel like he's a little bit he, he he'll be a little bit less streaky than Morel is. Uh, but similar to Morel, when he's hot, he can carry a team. Now, uh, he does a good job him and Suzuki kind of counterbalance each other as far as what they give you sure. from a from an offensive perspective, you know, batting averages and power production, the two of them average out to two normal players. But I can see them kind of playing the, you know, playing the platoons, giving him an advantage to ease in versus playing him every single day. If he can hover at 250, like if he can bat 250, uh, he's a guy that could hit 30 home runs, could could steal double digit bags, and could be a different a difference maker. The question is, does his contact ability get there? I think a full, healthy offseason is going to help him, and it's just how well does he play coming out next year? He's a guy that could play his way into a starting role in spring training. And and when you say platoon, you'd say versus lefties. Yeah, yeah. Because that that's the other thing. Like So with the Cubs, like you know, Suzuki crushes lefties, so he's going to play versus them. Um, Hap doesn't, you know, so that's that's a platoon area. DH could be open. Um, PCA, if he's the everyday center fielder, you know, he's going to be playing center field, but we know, you know, against lefties, he'd probably bat ninth to start the season. So there's areas there. Uh, any other, any other guys, um, before we, we go to break one more time. And then I, I really put you on the spot. Any other guys you want to highlight that you came in, you did some homework and, and thought it would be helpful to, to talk about. I'm a big fan of Jefferson Rojas. It's very early. He completely skipped the complex and went straight to Myrtle beach. Myrtle Beach is a very hard ballpark to, to hit in. It's one of the best pitchers parks in all of the minors. Batted 268, seven home runs, which doesn't sound amazing, but he was 18 years old in the worst offensive ballpark in baseball. Uh, big fan of him. He's closer to 5'11 than he's listed. Uh, he plays a good enough shortstop to stick there. I think he could be a 2020 guy when he gets to the majors. You're just looking at, obviously, it's a couple of years away. Uh, a little bit of more growth on the contact rate, a little bit more power coming in. I think he could be a dude for the Cubs. It's just going to take a few years. And and he's one of those unique guys that is, is somebody you like that's actually a few years away. Oh, yeah, yeah. He many, is. Of these, many of these guys we talked about, which I think is good, are, are close. And then, you know, you always want to have that balance of still having guys come up um, through the system. It's funny because the things I hear about Jefferson Rojas are the same things I used to hear about Christian Hernandez. And now I never hear his name anymore, but you know, um, that happens. Yeah. That's how it goes. Uh, coming up next, I put Lindsay on the spot with really two important questions. We'll talk about that. We are back here on locked on Cubs with Lindsay Crosby. I have two big questions for you. You could okay. pick you could pick them how you want to answer them. And I'm sure that you, you roll your eyes with these and guys, I, I can't, I can't emphasize enough how hard it is to do the job that Lindsay is doing. So if he does list somebody in his top five or whatever, that has a bad, like, 
you know, he's got thousands of these guys he's got to keep track of. So, um, but I want to know, I want to know this. I want to know your top five right now, your top five Cubs prospects. And then the second question is, because I, I really have, I do think the Cubs are a unique case. I've seen the Cubs listed as high as number two or three um, in terms of prospect lists just behind uh, Baltimore. I, I want to know where you have them right now as you head into your busy prospect season. Um, you'll probably have a much better idea of that answer in like a month or so, but still um, where you have the Cubs as an overall system um, in the ba- in the major leagues. Came so as a system, I have the Cubs as uh, in the top third. So, you know, somewhere in that one through 10 range, I have them kind of in the second half of that, you know, six through 10. And that's simply because I do feel like it's a little more position player heavy than pitching heavy. Yep. And you do have guys at the major league level, you know, signed for a couple of years, not as many holes as uh, as ideal for for the makeup of the farm system. But I have them as a top 10 system easily, you know, five, six, seven, somewhere around there. Sure. Um, my top five PCA for me is the very easy go to number one. It's it's proximity. It's uh, the the ability or sorry, the the peak of that tool, that carrying tool that he has, the defense, number one, easy for me. Cade Horton is my number two because I'm, a again, a big believer in what he can do as far as his future potential as a frontline starter. I, we very rarely on my show say this guy could be a number two or number one pitcher, and Cade Horton's on that short list of guys who could be a number one or number two. Uh, my, my number three, Matt Shaw, big believer in Matt Shaw and what he can do. Uh, I've got Owen Casey four, and this mm. is where it gets really tough. After those three guys, yeah. you could make a case for anybody from four through eight or four through nine to be in that number four spot. But I've got Owen Casey number four. I'm a believer in the power potential. And this is where I am the high person in the prospect apparatus. I'll acknowledge this right now. My number t- uh, my number five guy is left-hand pitcher Jackson Ferris because I think the quality of his pitches, the fastball, the curveball, the slider, I think they're all potentially plus pitches. Uh, he does have control issues. He does have things to work out. But the stuff is so incredibly good that if you get a little bit more refinement, and I'm a believer that the Cubs can get some more refinement out of it, that he can be a mid-rotation, if not slightly better starter. And I recognize I'm the high guy. A lot of people have Ferris in the back half of the top 10. I've got him at number five. I'm a big believer in what he can do. Last question for you. Okay. I'm going to give you two names that are similar. One guy's, you know, definitely ahead of the other guy. And I just want to tell you, I want you to tell me, do I stay? Do, do I move on from these guys? Do I stay optimistic at the, at the big league level? Number okay. one is Hayden Wisniewski. And number two is Caleb Killian. Are those are any of those two guys? Were, were, is it, you know, is it time? Like like Caleb Killian, you know, it, it really hasn't looked great. Um, go ahead. Um, I'm gonna say Wineski. I'm still in on him being a valuable contributor, right? I still think that he can have a role on the team. Killian is a little bit tougher for me because you haven't really seen. The ERA is stupid, right? The ERA does not match the fielded independent pitching and the other stats of where it should be. A 1688 ERA is not emblematic of his skill level. But 
I'm more in on Wesneski being able to help you long term than Killian is. And that's just a and and, and Wesneski feels kind of like another, you know, another better as a reliever. His his stuff, you know, he's 96, 97 when he comes out of the bullpen. Um, yeah, which, like the stuff is there. Is, yeah, it's just not there when he starts. Yeah, and and a lot of that comes down to sometimes when you're starting, you're trying to do too much. You're thinking about I have too many too many pitches. You're trying to game plan too much. Let him. You know, let him be a long guy. He can go one time through the order, exactly. come out of the bullpen, pitch yeah. for two innings, pitch for three innings, get six, six to nine batters, get him out of there, you know, and go to somebody else if you have to. But there's a valuable role for that. As And then as he grows and continues to figure out how the things work, he's at least shown proof of concept, right? Killian hasn't really shown a lot of that. I mean, he had a he had a ERA of almost five in Iowa last right. year, Killian did. And so... Oh, right. Wineski at least has shown you some proof of concept that what he's doing makes sense and can work at the major league level. Yeah. All right. Well, that, that was awesome, man. I really appreciate, uh, really appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, it's, it's such a, it's such a weird time for, for the Cubs right now because they've been literally silent uh, during the off season and people are, are chomping at the bit rightfully. So I am as well to make moves, but you know, it is always nice to come in and hear that, you know, as Craig Council said when he was hired, the Cubs organization is in a healthy place. Mm -hmm. um, and that obviously starts with your minor league system and your farm. So, you know, thank you for coming on. And it's always a pleasure to to have you. Make sure everyone, you guys check out uh, Locked on MLB Prospects uh, with Lindsay. Thanks for having me, Sam. Appreciate it. Shout out to the everydayers who are with us all five episodes throughout the week, and you could become an everydayer by checking us out each and every weekday. Be sure to hit that subscribe button for Lockdown Cubs on YouTube and smash the like button for the algorithm. We're also on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts and streaming on SiriusXM. I'm Sam Olber, he's Lindsey Crosby, and this is Lockdown Cubs.